leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. While there has been much buzz in the industry over the potential for harnessing the microbiome and using it as a way to treat diseases, it remains early days for the therapeutic pipeline. Rebiotics, which is delivering human-derived microbes to treat recurrent Clostridium difficile infections, is ready to move its lead experimental therapeutic into late-stage clinical testing. The company says it is the most advanced human clinical program evaluating a microbiota-based drug conducted in coordination with a regulatory authority. We spoke to Lee Jones, founder and CEO of Rebiotics, about the microbiome, the opportunity for drugs targeting the colonies of bacteria in the gut, and the indications beyond C. diff Rebiotics is pursuing. Lee, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. We're going to talk about rebiotics, the microbiome, and the potential harnessing and targeting the colonies of bacteria in the human body can have and and the impact they can have on some rather intractable diseases. Rebiotics is is focused on delivering human-derived microbes to treat disease. What do we know today about the human microbiome? Well, what we do know is that the human microbiome plays a, a a large role in the human health and disease. There's organisms that cover our entire body, and the most concentrated organisms are in our intestines. And the human gut microbiome has been linked to a number of conditions. Well, Rebiotics refers to its pipeline of products as a microbiota restoration therapy. Can you explain what, what's meant by that? Sure. We've developed a drug product that has the largest diverse combination of microorganisms that we can then use to uh, treat uh, a patient that might have a disease. So we call our platform microbiota restoration therapy with the idea that people get diseases or are susceptible to diseases because their, mic- their own microbiomes are disrupted by by um, replenishing their microbiomes, we think we can uh, solve their disease problem. I, I, I want to take a step back. You were actually, uh, after a career in, in the medical device industry, uh, serving as CAO at the University of Minnesota Schultz Diabetes, where you once told me you learned about the power of biology. This is where you had come across the use of fecal transplants, which I think listeners may be surprised to know has a rather long history. 
How long have fecal transplants been, been viewed as having potential therapeutic purpose? Yeah, I think it's been around for years and years and years. In fact, there's documentation that goes back thousands of years in China. I think in the United States, it started becoming interesting in, in the 1950s as a cure for disease. But up until fairly recently, I'd say the last five, ten years, uh, it's kind of hidden in obscurity because it was such a horrible thing to have to do for the physician. So now it's, people are looking at it with renewed interest and saying, hey, this might really provide some therapeutic opportunities. Well, let's talk about C. diff, which is one of the places that has attracted the attention of this approach. What is C. diff? Well, C. diff or Clostridium difficile infection is, is, is an organism, or C. difficile is an organism that can overgrow in a person's intestinal tract if their microbiome is disrupted, mostly by antibiotics. That organism, when it does overgrow, produces a toxin that then causes severe diarrhea in the patient. It is infectious, and it is um, transmittable, you know, via spores to other people. So it's an important disease to, to try to eliminate. Why is it such a, a difficult disease to treat? Because what happens is that people don't develop a natural immunity to it. Like, for example, if you had chicken pox, you probably wouldn't get chicken pox again. In the case of this disease, we don't generate any antibodies as humans to this disease. So we can get it back over and over and over again. And the more that a person gets it, the harder it is for them to be treated. And so at some point in time, they either have to live on antibiotics or the alternative, which is even worse, is death or something else that happens to them. So because the rate of this disease is increasing in the United States, it's really um, been recognized as one of the, the most important diseases happening today. And so it's, it's important to uh, get control of it and eradicate it. I, I take it also there's a problem here with antibiotic resistance. You know, see, this can generate resistance. I think what's happening that the older antibiotics are no longer effective, so it does lend thinking that it's resistant. Antibiotics still can work against the organism, but what happens is the antibiotics that you use to treat C. diff kill off everything else in the microbiome as well, so that people can't uh, stop themselves from, from getting infected over and over again. So what we do is when we put the organisms back and rehabilitate their microbiomes, they are actually able to fight off the disease themselves. So it sets them up for a much better future with fewer recurrences of the disease. Well, fecal transplants are less than ideal as an off-the-shelf medicine for a variety of reasons. What are the challenges fecal transplants represent from a, a practical point of view? You know, because our product is so different than a fecal transplant, we've changed that game. Uh, fecal transplants were done with fresh fecal material and physicians had to make it themselves and then, and then uh, put it in the patient. What we've done is taken the microbes out of fecal material and processed them and standardized and stabilized the dose so that we can take that now as a drug product and ship it to people. So it eliminates all the, the fear of disease transmission and uh, being able to have the, the donors be there at the right time. The physicians actually don't have to be a manufacturer anymore. So we've taken away <laughs> all of the things 
about fecal transplants that were bad and have now uh, created a product that enjoys the benefit of all the good things in the um, that we can now deliver to the patients in a very simple way. And are, are you being at all selective about the colonies that are included, the bacterial colonies that are included in this, or is it just a suspension? We of- are, you know, what, what we did is looked at, we know that historically fecal transplants were, were working. So we started out by trying to mimic the qualities of the fecal transplant as much as possible. And what that meant is that we spent about a year trying to keep as many of those microbes that exist in fecal material alive and then transmitting them to, uh, in our product, uh, to a, a sick individual. And that's really been helpful, as it's shown, because there's other companies that have done you know, small groups of microbes, and so far none of them have worked in our tests. So we think that we're on the right track. So your, your lead experimental therapy, RBX2660, is is for C. diff. How, how is it administered? We Currently, that product is a liquid suspension, and so it's delivered via enema into the patient's the sick patient's intestinal tract. We've also developed an oral formulation that's a room temperature stable product that's the next generation of that product that's now in human clinical testing. Well, you've completed uh, mid-stage clinical testing on on the lead compound? We actually have gone through uh, multiple clinical trials. We're the first company to have gone through what's called a phase 2B trial, a multi-center, double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial. I think when we were on the podcast a few years ago, we hadn't even started that program yet. But now we've finished that program in a, another clinical trial as well. And have found that our product works significantly better than a placebo, so we're very happy with the outcome. Well, what do we know about its safety and efficacy to date? Well, we've treated over 300 patients to date with very good safety and uh, very good efficacy. And probably the most surprising and interesting thing about our product is that once the patient has been successfully treated, it's very, very rare that they would get that disease back, even after they take some additional antibiotics. So we think that through our product, we've stopped that cycle of, you know, disease, antibiotics, disease, antibiotics, et cetera. And what's the path going forward to get an approval? Well, we're fortunate in that we have now uh, moved into, soon, well, soon move into our phase three clinical trial, which is the last program that we need to have before we can apply for commercial approval. So we've marched through the regulatory process, and we're hoping to have our market on the product in a few, or our product on the market in a few years. What's the expectation for commercializing the therapy? Is this something Rebiotics will do itself? Or are you going to seek a partner? You know, I think we're still in discussions about that. Uh, you know, a lot will depend on the where what stage the company is in at that time. Um, right now, we're thinking more on finding a commercial partner and then continuing to develop our pipeline. You had asked earlier about what we know about the microbiome, and what we do know is that there's a, a lot of opportunity in other disease indications, and we see that as a value that Rebiotics has, that we can take the products that we currently have and try other indications in, actually in human clinical studies. You've got a, a number of indications in the pipeline. What what else are you looking at? Well, today we have an ongoing human study in uh, pediatric ulcerative colitis, 
So we're looking at can we intervene in children who have ulcerative colitis and possibly, you know, divert <laughs> their disease pathway as they grow into adults. We're also looking at hepatic encephalopathy, which is a disease that someone gets um, when they have poor liver function. Uh, microbes in your gut produce ammonia, and when ammonia goes through the intestinal wall, it can build up and cause uh, brain problems. And we found that with our product, you can uh, delay that disease or eliminate that disease uh, over time. And we're looking at uh, some other multi-drug resistant organisms, you know, diseases caused by drug resistant organisms such as urinary, urinary tract infections. So we consider ourselves sort of like the Botox of the microbiome world because there's so many unexplored ways to use this therapy that we're trying to figure out, you know, what where it's going to work the best. And and in each case, is it the same formulation you're using, or is there any difference in the in the makeup of the colonies of bacteria that are isolated? Well, that's the fun part about this working in the microbiome space. We nobody really knows what the mechanisms are or the, the true active ingredients, i.e., are there a few microbes that work one way or the other? Because our product is safe, we've been able to go directly into human clinical studies and other indications. So our goal is to be able to look at the outcomes of that along with the patient samples and then feedback into our development pipeline. There's tweaks to the formula that we need to have. Currently, uh, we're, we're not seeing that, but that doesn't mean that the future won't bring more uh, specific microbial groups. But I think today, this is a great way to get started and really short circuits the development process. And in terms of delivery, is there expectation that you'll put more emphasis on other forms of delivery? Is there a reason why, you know, an enema isn't the, the ideal way to do this? Well, one, one of the things we looked at is some of the other indications might need repeat or chronic dosing. C. diff needs maybe, you know, a patient might need one dose or maybe two, uh, where other things might need, you know, three a week or four a week or, you know, for several months before their disease starts to abate. So having to go into a clinic for an enema, you know, multiple times a week, it just won't be convenient for the, the person. So we've developed an oral formula that's room temperature stable with the goal that it can be stocked in the pharmacy and the person who's undergoing treatment can go get their prescription just like a normal drug, take it home and dose themselves. And that will make it so much easier to study diseases where they need to take it more often or for a longer period of time. And, and is that a pill form or is that a liquid suspension? It is. It is a pill form. It's a, ca a capsule form. No pun intended, but a little easier to swallow. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and we're, we're kind of laughing because the question I always get is, well, gee, aren't people going to be unhappy to take, you know, organisms by mouth? Uh, and I'm looking around at all the other products, like probiotics that contain organisms. Yeah, there's plenty on the market. People don't but... seem to have a problem with that. And I think just nobody is even going to know the origin of the organism. And and at some point, do you are you able to just grow this out in vats? You know, I think that's going to, that's a good question. It's the ultimate goal, I think, of every program that's out there today is to be able to grow things so that you don't have to have human donors. Uh, today, it's just such a complex 
mixture of organisms and nobody really knows, including us, which ones work and why. So I, I think there's a lot of work ongoing uh, to try to discern that, but that's many, many years in the future. So our goal was to take this mix that we've gotten from humans and get it to the market as fast as possible. Once we start getting more exposure, we learn more and, and then can, again, uh, feed that back into our product development process. For other formulations, if needed. There may not be any needed. We don't know yet. And it's still early days for the microbiome, but is there expectation that this will have therapeutic value beyond gut diseases to, to other systems? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question because even one of the things that we're looking at the urinary tract infection by alter by manipulating the gut microbiome, we can potentially influence um, that, and we've actually shown that to be the case. So I believe, yes, uh, and there's a lot of work going on, I know now, in the gut-brain connection. So some people are studying autism or depression or, you know, other um, things that, you know, normally you think of as a brain disease, but actually might be a gut disease. So I think this is a very, very early stage of this whole industry. And that's what makes it so exciting. Lee Jones, founder and CEO of Rebiotics. Lee, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.